Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. All right, we're actually here. This is the Investor Coaching. We are actually here. Come on, baby. How many Leviticus... Lay it on us. What? How many people actually showed up for their show today? You guys were the only one. <laughs> See? I'm telling oh, you. Oh, I thought Tanya did. Oh, no. no, I'm telling you. Oh, okay. I'm telling you. We are special. Ask Mr. Ask Mr. Rogers. We're special. <laughs> <laughs> can you say That's another diversify? person I love. <laughs> can I know you, say you can. <laughs> Cannot disagree. <laughs> yeah, we're special. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, Merry Almost Christmas, everybody. Man. Okay, Evan. Pet peeve of the day. You ready for it? Lay it on me. I'm probably going to offend like half the audience. What? <laughs> the blue or the red half? <laughs> that's funny. No, that's funny. That's funny. No, it's just like, you know, I go to a store or I go someplace uh-huh. and I go Merry Christmas to somebody and they go Happy Holidays back. Oh, yeah. I got net a lot too. Yeah. I like, actually started noticing yeah, you know, it this I'll, year. I'll, t- I'll tell you happy new year when, when the time's right. But I, you know, I'm saying Merry Christmas back because that's what's, that's what's coming up. I've, I've started telling people when I hear happy holidays, if they've initiated it. Yeah. Uh, cause half the time, happy maybe holy more, days to you. No, the, oh, okay. uh, I, I just kind of figure they're worried about offending or yeah. following a corporate policy. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I'll just say, you know, it's okay to tell me Merry Christmas and you have a Merry Christmas too. And they, Generally, oh, I like that. big smile on like their that. face because they're like, okay, this, yeah, yeah, it's this just person's normal. You no, know, so when I started, well, Go normal, going back to that, right? <laughs> so when I, I thought Whatever I was trying I to be normal this year or around this season, you know, and I said it, and it's it's awkward on the other end when you say it to a person and they're a Jehovah Witness, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, well, what did I just do? And then it, it, what the, the person did say, no, it's okay, you didn't offend me. Christmas. I was like, okay, I feel better now. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, so how did I get off on that? I have no idea. That's my fault. I am taking the fall for that, that crazy topic. So there's a lot of financial stuff that's actually fun to talk about that's going on right now. It's been a busy week. It has been <laughs> a busy, busy week. As a matter of fact, I've got, I've got some audio that I think that will be interesting as well. So inflation falling for the first time since 2020, you know, this it's interesting. So we look at a fairly vigorous stock market rally that has taken place against all odds. Uh, you know, you just don't know when these things are going to happen. Shoot, we don't know what's going to happen last week of the year. You know, it's the way I look at it. And, you know, I'm not saying, gee, this is look, great. This is time you got to get in board market timing. No, we don't, we don't engage in that at all. But I just think it's interesting what has happened and how so often what people do is go, hey, look how great the economy is and how wonderful everything is. And I go, well, you know, the reason the stock market went up was because inflation came down was the big part. And, you know, it's actually not quite what we're making it out to be. And, and, and this is why I always say the stock market can go up even if the economy is kind of ugh. Because a lot of people aren't that that excited about the the economy right now, quite frankly. But the stock market, 
you wouldn't know it by the stock market because market's right. gone up because basically a cost of borrowing has gone down. And when you have a company, you have sales minus cost of goods sold, minus operating expenses, minus interest expenses that gets you to earnings. And that's what you're buying when you buy stocks is you're buying the rights to the earnings. And you've just had a major component, especially for small cap stocks, small company stocks and value companies that just a big burden has been lifted from them. And that is why we're seeing what we're seeing. You know, so the inflation falling for the first time since 2020 is that has been a big deal because, you know, a lot of things that have gone wrong in the economy have been as a result of just missteps. You know, all this additional money flowing into the economy via the government. And, and matter of fact, there was, a, there was an article about that as well. It was talking about a well-intentioned tax credit uh, becoming a colossal mess in the Wall Street Journal. I don't know if you saw that, Evan. It was uh, it was talking about. I can guess the credit, but I'll be interested to hear. Yeah, it says in early 2020, the Democratic Congresswoman saw the coronavirus pandemic posing a catastrophic economic threat to her Orlando, Florida area district. By mid March, uh, they. Uh, Murphy and her staff hunted for ways to help workers and businesses prevent mass unemployment in the tourism industry. And they latched onto the policy implemented in disaster zones after 2005's Hurricane Katrina. And basically what they had was the employee retention credit. Yes. Yeah, I knew you'd guess that. <laughs> I know. I knew I knew Evan, you wouldn't have a hard time with that one. You know, so that is and I remember, Evan, you, you may remember this. That we would have people, uh, a lot of accountant, you know, people, accounting mm -hmm. types and, and people, financial people talking about, you need to take this credit. You need to take this credit. And we were given that advice. Oh, were you? Oh, okay. yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing this. And my answer was, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with this. Well, I don't think you were eligible. There was something that we were eligible for. And what happened is later on, the it ended up being something that would be a red flag if you did take it. If Interesting. You, yeah. yeah. I mean, this was early. I'm, I'm looking at, this is probably March, April, somewhere in that neighborhood. I remember doing yeah. the show in here because we were quarantined, you know, that's it, supposedly. Yeah. Uh, but we were an essential business that stayed open. Right. But they basically said, hey, you know, you ought to be looking into this. And I'm going, you know, that because I think that from from our standpoint, as a company that deals with finances, we really shouldn't be a company that is struggling financially. We should have well, enough emergency assets on the sideline and be prepared for things that can go wrong. Yeah. And I thought it just looked bad. Well, there was a well, there was a couple of things going on there. I mean, yeah. you had the PPP, which was just the cash payouts. Mm -hmm. And payroll you, protection plan, yeah. yeah. And I know none of us jumped on that yeah. deal for that and, very and maybe reason. That's what I'm remembering. I think so. Maybe I'm remembering that. Yeah, it, it wasn't um, necessarily, but it was. But the employee retention credit, you you basically had to, you know, in general. I mean, there's it's tax load. There's you know a bunch of stuff in the subparagraphs, but one of the key things was you had to be down 25 percent in revenue you know, based on the prior quarters and prior years and so forth. Uh -huh. And we saw several people encouraged to do that. And, and they would reach out, you know, clients would call and, mm -hmm. you know, Hey, my person said, you know, can I do this? And mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, particularly if you were essential personnel or something like that, there mm -hmm. was a lot of people that did 
thrive during COVID, you know, just because of the nature of their particular business. Mm-hmm. And they just simply weren't eligible because they weren't in trouble. Right. But right. it was abused tremendously, got abused so much that a lot of the, you know, the providers that were encouraging people to take advantage of that, mm-hmm. the IRS shut the program down till they could get a handle on it because there were just scads of potentially fraudulent claims on the credit. I mean, well, it was a zoo. Well, this is, this is the thing that, you know, so often what we hear when it comes to bills that are being talked about, yeah. you know, how things are going to affect the economy, how they're going to affect the budget. And you have the, the CBO, you know, the congressional mm-hmm. budget, and then they'll come in and they'll make projections on what something is going to cost. Right. And, you know, so often what happens is you'll hear things going on in Washington. And I think the point that I want to make here is that so often you'll hear things and you'll hear, this is going to be, this is going to be disaster. This is going to be great. Yeah. This is going to be, you know, wonderful. It's going to be awful. And, and what we'll do is we will make financial decisions based on what we're hearing reported on what the government is doing, whether good or bad, mm-hmm. and how often they're just wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how you know they're 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 just wrong on so many different fronts, and this one they were just colossally wrong in the negative because they expected this thing was going to be fifty five billion dollar lifeline for struggling employers, and it basically cost the government four times as much. Yeah, I mean, right? Hence the fact they were looking for fraud. Yeah. So, in in one of the things that it reminds me of in the other direction, and this goes both ways. I remember back in 08, and I've talked about this before, going on TV programs here in the Nashville area mm-hmm. and talking about the TARP program. Yes. And it was just going to be an awful program. It was going to be terrible. It wasn't going to work. And it was going to be you know, hugely disruptive. And people will use this kind of stuff as a, as a political football. And the reason being is what do people want? What do politicians want? They want to be reelected. And what they will do is no matter who is doing something, they will demagogic and they and they will, you know, scare people to try to get votes one way or another. Sure. Now, at that point in time, it was TARP and there was terrible thing that and that they shouldn't be doing it. And that was one of those ones there where the government actually made money on it. And that was where I was going on TV and go, hey, this this could be just fine, you know. It actually could be fine, and you know, I I likened it to some spending programs that hurt, occurred during you know World War II, just <laughs> to make the point that you know even you can spend money on on stuff that just goes to heck in a handbasket, and and you know money gets uh, gets put into planes that get shot out of the sky and ships that get sunk and and you know. It, it, in tanks to get blown up is what I said. And, you know, it can be okay for the stock market because this is really what I try to do is as much as I can help investors not screw up their financial plans because yeah. of an emotional decision. Yep. And this was one of those things that I just looked at and I was like, eh, another spending program. But you look at what's been going on and yeah, has it been terrible for the government has it been yes has it has it been terrible for the stock market not necessarily you right. know it didn't destroy the stock market yeah you know as much as you know we as we hate this kind of stuff uh people often talk about debt and they'll say well the government debt's really really bad this could be terrible for the stock market and i remember doing a video many years ago and saying government missteps doesn't don't necessarily translate to stock market bad yeah. right right and 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 we look back through history and, and that's that's what we we have to go 
hey, we've had lots of missteps in 100 years. Well, yeah. And, you know, just like the market, you know, got close to, quote unquote, a new record this week, you know, or, you know, almost hit that number. Mm hmm. And I was talking with someone Which on market? the <laughs> No, I'm just yeah. joking for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's our usual uh, response yeah. when we talk about market um, got to a record. I was talking with someone on the phone this week, mm -hmm. and uh, we were looking at trying to get something done before a year end. And, you know, well, I want to do this, but the government debt and spending and this and that. And I said, you know, ma'am, let me, let me tell you a story. Uh -huh. And, you know, I grew up, you know, Ron Paul was our congressman when I grew up down in Houston. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And I grew up hearing my folks at the dinner table. So this would be, Boy, you know, 1970, yeah. 71, 72, post-Vietnam. He'll scare the daylights out of you, that guy. And, uh, you know, government spending's out of control. That's a problem. And I would bet that their folks were sitting around the radio and then talking over dinner in the 40s. Right. Oh, we're spending all this money. And and yeah. I'm not saying I'm a fan of no, the true. government borrowing or overspending. I've, absolutely. But, no, good point. Yeah. But that's, that record has been played for at least a hundred years almost now, and capitalism is continuing to outpace the government's ability to screw up an economy. Yeah. And, and you know, who'd have thunk, right. you know, a few weeks ago where small company stocks have had been yeah. lagging large companies by a huge amount. And, you know, you'll look and I, you know, I was looking at the numbers on that and I'm blown away at how, you know, large Large companies, which really had been the big benefactor of the interest rate increases, they did well compared to other types of companies and how small caps have just about caught up in a short period of time. And this, mm -hmm. we're not talking about a small move. It's a huge move. And um, and then, you know, international stocks, you know, how how much that they've come up, uh, especially value stocks. And it was just one of those things that, you know, most people would have left them for dead. Right. You know, not right. not that you know, not that long ago they would have left him for dead and that that is anything but what's been go going on. Now, that leads us to, you know, just talking about some of the prognostications for the new year and and you know, what's going to happen in, in the rest of this year. And you know, basically Santa Claus rallies. <laughs> you know, are we that's that's what people call this stuff, right? You know, Santa Claus rally, the market goes up and uh, you know, the last month of the year why? Because well, people feeling optimistic, feeling people feeling happy, and and you know those those types of things. But you know, if you look at markets, one of the things I always point people to, it, just to get them to go, hey, you know what? Don't get overly excited on the areas of the market that had done well in recent history. Uh, large U.S. stocks predominantly have been, you know, and but you know, if you if you go back, you know, throughout. When Trump was was president, that's really the area of the, of the uh, market that did very very well, and then under Biden, not as well, but you know, not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. But you have that area of the market selling for you know three fifty uh, three dollars fifty cents, pretty close for every dollar of book value, and that is as opposed to you know you have some areas of the market around the world selling at seventy cents. And, and yeah, that's a, that's a big difference. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting, uh, thinking about when you were talking about, you know, people piling in on the asset category that's doing real well, real well recently mm -hmm. say that a few times, uh, <laughs> markets, markets insider, this, this article just jumped out at me when I was doing some work and, yeah. uh, the S and the SPY, 
which is uh, yeah. ETF that tracks the uh-huh. S&P 500, mm-hmm. on Friday pulled in $20.8 billion. Whoa. It was the largest one-day inflow for any ETF in history. There, There is an example so, of almost chasing— $21 billion chasing right returns. after you have this enormous run-up in just the S&P 500— and and for the week it was about twenty five billion, but twenty one of that was on Friday. That is insane. Yeah, it's and, crazy. and you know you look at that and you go, so why is it that people have gone that direction? Well, that's what they've heard. They've heard <laughs> what I was just talking about, where that part of the market, large U.S. stocks, have done pretty well. Yeah, but the likelihood of that continuing, you know, you look at history, right? And you know, you look back at. Um, Oh gosh, I'm I'm gonna have to do this from memory, but you know, back in the 1970s, through if you look at like large U.S. stocks, small U.S. stocks, large value, small value, international large, international small, you literally have to go all the way from the 70s all the way to 1989 to find a year where large U.S. stocks were the top performing area of the market. Right. But that's all people think about. Yeah. You know, you literally have to go that far. And then you have to go all the way to the mid-90s. And then you have to go, you know, when Trump was president, it was, I don't even know, maybe it was one year out of four. It was the top asset category. Now it was top for the for the four-year period. But you look at that and you go, what is the likelihood of that of something like that continuing? And the reason that's important is that that is where most people's money is. If you look at the amount of cash or the amount of assets sitting in mutual funds, predominantly, and I, it's been a while since I did this research, yeah. but I want to tell you somewhere in the neighborhood of 85, 90% of the money invested by Americans right. in mutual funds or ETFs is invented, invested in that asset category. Yep. That is- And it doesn't matter if it's 401k, self-managed, whatever. That's just universal at this point. Yeah. So- Watch it. It's just going to be something, you know, and and just look. And I'm just only using the recent history, this tremendous run up in other market segments that have happened in the past few weeks and how fast that actually happened. Now, will it contain? Will it continue? Will it hold? I have no idea. That's not my point. But I wanted to make the point that when things change, they change so fast that you don't have time to adjust. You simply don't have time. It is something I can yell from the top of my lungs, and I've done it so many times over the 20-plus years I've been doing this radio show, and it seems like every time I have to do it, it, you know, again and again and again, because it's, it's like it's our instincts. It's hard to teach people and help them understand how fast market moves happen and uh, yeah. overcome so much of the media. It's kind of like we were talking about uh, this week in, in our little stream. Yeah. Harry Dent. Yes. You know, we were talking about this guy <laughs> is an economist, quote unquote, that is every single year, almost, he predicts doom. Well, <laughs> the stock market's going to be terrible this year. It's going to be, and then it goes up. The stock market's going to be terrible this year. It's going to be the biggest crash ever. And then it goes up. Then the stock market's going to be terrible. It goes down a little bit. See, I told you the stock market was going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he I don't don't know if you saw the comment on one of the Facebook posts related to the Harry Dent article uh, with the group that we both follow, but uh, 
Mm-hmm. One of the comments below that was Harry has uh, called 20 of the last two corrections. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, that, that's him. That, that's exactly what he does. And you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get people do that, but I like the comment that was under, you know, we have this little program, uh, this uh, cell trust thing that we do where mm-hmm. we, we keep, it's kind of our texting. You have to have compliant texting when, texting when you run a financial firm. And we use this and we were going back and forth about that. And somebody made the comment uh, in our group yeah. that this that the the fact that this person even gets attention yes is a testament to how bad the financial media is yeah. and how little regard they have for the end investor and how little regard they have for taking care of the interests of the small investor that they would even pay attention to a person that does this and hence this is why it's so frustrating for us when you have reporting on uh I, I'm not going to see you know, there's they're reporting on some stuff right now <laughs> yeah. that's making me crazy. And let me just put it. It's on ESG. Oh, uh, yeah. So I'm going to comment on this just really, really quickly. And we'll go to break because I'm going to, I'm going to keep it really generic. There are companies that are company coming under fire for ESG and really one company primarily coming under a lot of fire when I can't think of a mutual fund company that is not engaging in that game. Right. I can't think of one. And yet what's happening is one company's coming under fire. But here's the thing I think this this is really important. What they're coming under fire for primarily is not letting investors know that the returns on ESG, environmental, social, and governance portfolios has been lower and has been pretty bad. As if you have a fund company that will come out with a product <laughs> and tell you, this really stinks from a return standpoint. We just want to tell you this before you buy it. Right. No, they're just going to offer, I don't care who it is. There's another fund company, totally different fund company, that came out with a non-yen hedged ETF <laughs> investing in Japanese stocks. Now, they're not going to tell you that the reason that they're doing that is just simply because of demand. And that returns, who cares about returns? They don't really care about returns. There's nobody, as as Chad pointed out in the office here, he says, you don't find a widespread lawsuit taking place because of the last 20 years, if you look at the return and the standard deviation, the level of risk of target date funds being abysmally bad, you don't see this big uproar over that. Nobody's going, oh, we need to sue everybody over this one. Look how bad these things are. No, this is just investment industry, just the way it operates. And yet they're, they're picking on this thing on ESG. But here's the thing that I want to point out. We on the Investor Coaching Show from the very beginning told people not to do that. Na, 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 na. We, from the very beginning, told people that this is a bad idea and it's gimmicky. Right. Do we need a lawsuit from the government? No, you just need to listen to the show. There you go. It's much cheaper. <laughs> You're way better. All right. This is the Investor Coaching Show. I'm Paul Winkler, along with Evan Barner. We'll be back right after this. Hey, guys, if you want specific advice for your unique situation... 
Schedule a free 15-minute phone chat with one of our trusted advisors by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. We don't sell any products and our advisors don't make any commissions, so this isn't a sales call. We have a coaching process that helps you understand investing and relax about money. Don't put blind trust in anyone with your financial assets. We want to partner with you in the process so you know what you're doing and why. We manage assets on a fee-only basis, which means that when you do well, we do well, which aligns our interests with yours from the start. We also bring you into the financial planning process that gives you a clear plan so you can find the freedom to pursue your purpose. All our advisors are degreed planners too, with years of experience. So schedule a free 15-minute phone call with an advisor by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. Stock ownership, uh, you know, there was something about the increase in people owning stocks and uh, CNBC decided that they had to talk about this particular topic uh, because they were, they were pretty excited about this. And, um, oh, let's see, I think it was, what was it, uh, Jim Cramer talking about it or, or something like that on, on the news and got pretty fired up. That individual stock. So check this out. 58% of the people. And so here. Plus, you saw that we have about 58% of the people are now more invested in stocks. 58% of people are investing in stocks, is what he's reporting here. But there was a, a broader investment. You know, it was after the pandemic, the younger people, none of whom sadly watch us, I don't think, Jim. But so, so after the pandemic, people sitting around bored. <laughs> They're investing stocks. Is this a good thing because they have seen the light that, you know, equities, stocks, historically have been the best hedge against inflation, best, best protection against inflation. Right. Because what's inflation? Prices going up. Who's raising prices? Companies. What do you own when you own stocks? You own the entities raising prices. You know, is it that reason that they're going, hey, we want to be – a part of the American dream. We yeah. want to invest in the American dream. We want to invest in the companies that are making all the good fun stuff that we use possible. Is that the reason that they're doing it? Or is it possible that maybe they were just bored? I think so. And they're gambling? It's what the data seems to bear out. I think it sort of does. Can't guess their motivation. They're on their phones, but they're still, they're more involved. No, so so check out what he what he's lamenting here. His his partner. David. I don't think Jim, but so David says. David is is his his co kind of co-host on this. Mm -hmm. You know, Jim Cramer, CNBC, and this is what David has to say. None of whom sadly watch us. I don't think Jim. Yeah, no, nobody sadly watches them, <laughs> and, and that's what they're lamenting. Okay, but. Well, can luck keep going. They're on their phones, but they're still they're more involved. Right. They own they're they're more involved now. Is involvement a good thing, Evan? Oh, in your investments? Yeah. Uh, not once you've set the strategy and you have a game plan. Then the more it's just like Vegas. The I mean, more you, the, what's their definition? I, I probably should set that bet up. Well, better. I'm, I'm going to say their definition of involvement. There you go. Is there you go. Actively trading in the stock market. Yeah, individual stock right. picking. How many stocks yeah. does it take to be diversified in his world? Last time we saw. No fewer than five, no more than 10. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's how many stocks. Now, if you look at the research, let me, let me just talk about the research regarding this because I think it, it makes sense to talk about this. There was one study that went back and it was looking back at history and it showed that if you took a portfolio and you had 40 
or more stocks. And there, it was interesting piece of research. The, the study actually showed that if you went less than that, you went like down to 20 stocks, that your return in the study went down by 6% per year. I mean, it was huge. Wow. The standard deviation went up by 12%. There you go. So that means your risk was higher, your return was lower. That's an extra 24% swing in an annual return. I mean, that's extra. just a huge, huge, huge swing. Wow. Yeah, at, at 95 at 95% confidence yeah. level. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so in essence, what we see well, in, in this study, actually, the other part of the study showed that if you went back to the first 30 years – in the uh, in the study history, they were looking from the 1930s to the 1960s, and then they looked at the 1960s on, and what they found was the stock market was no lower. The returns were no lower in the first or the second period, but individual stocks were far more risky in the second period. Why? Why would that be? Why would why would it be more risky the stock individual stocks nowadays? What what would be the reasoning? What would you think? Um, man, I don't know. I don't know what it would account for the difference of an additional risk in stocks today than before. Other than just there's more information out there and more frequent trading. There you go. There you go. Uh, more information. The more information, if you think about it, the issue is is that if you had a business model back in the 1940s or in the 1930s. Well, yeah. How long were you able to right. hang on to that business right. model and not have it copied by somebody else? Yeah. Right? So the point that, that I make here is that let's say if you run a company, and I just use Home Depot and Lowe's all the time just because they're such close competitors. And everybody knows what they do. They both compete very, very much with each other in the same exact area, home improvement, buying things for your house. If you think about a company like Home Depot versus lows and you see that one company ends up getting the lake up over the other one for some reason a the other one's going to copy but if they can't copy then everybody will go to the winner of the two right and the other one goes out of business let's say and then if you owned both of them you were fine if you only owned the loser you're in trouble you're, you're in big trouble you're in heap big trouble so to, to finish out this this uh, little uh, segment it's music to your ears. Yes, it is. I think it's coming back. That's why younger people, the people who stop me in the street now, older people just presume that it's an index fund. But younger people, they, they tend not to be involved with, well, they're involved with the, the, the AMD. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically what he said right there, just to translate. <laughs> <laughs> is he said that older people tend to be more diversified. Right. <laughs> Younger people tend not to. They're playing it. And this is why I have often said, people, you know, people will ask me, Paul, who's your ideal client? Right. And I will say, usually a person in their 50s plus. Not because I, you know, I need to have, you know, that, that I, I only care about people with large sums of money. Right. That is not it. It is because it's the older person that has been there, done that, got burnt, got the T-shirt, got hurt by the mistakes of the past, and they are more likely to not 
go down that same path again. Yep. Not that they won't go down it. Right. There are people that they go back and do what the dog did. Return to the dark side. Yes. Yes. But the reality of it is a person that has been burnt has learned from experience. I like to think that people can learn from other people's experience. It's not necessarily the case. But that is the reason I think that's important. And if you listen to that, they're getting excited about it. Why? Because they run a TV show that is all based on the idea of trying to pick stocks, time the market, which companies are going to do better. And it is the general media that you find that type of attitude in. Because to get you to keep coming back, they've got to give you new information that you're supposed to act on. And that's why so often when people listen to the news, they listen to the financial media, they read the books and they read these things, they end up panicking and doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. Studies show after time after time that that is why people get bad returns. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.